Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Speaking of missions, I want to say thank you. We had uh, some folks yesterday participate in a missions walk that uh, basically raising some support and, and uh, um, just some emphasis for a program called Food for the Hungry, uh, literally feeding uh, families and villages around the world. And so thank you to those that, that uh, carry that out. We have a, a church with a heart for missions to give, to go, and to participate. And so thank you for, thanks for supporting missions and uh, being a part of what God is doing here. Uh, when you give to the church, you're giving to missions. And we encourage you to give 10% to the church and then to give an offering to missions and honoring God in that way. We're confident in this. If all of us honored God with our 10%, we got more than enough to do the work that God has called us to do. Uh, it's, it's evident. It's proven. And uh, we give a 10% of that to missions. And so one way or another, when you give to Faith Assembly, it's going to missions to impact around the world. And so thank you for, for your faithfulness and for being a part of, of missions here at Faith Assembly. It will always continue to be a heartbeat. Well, today we are uh, two weeks away from wrapping up our series called Breakout and uh, I always believe in embracing the season we're in without getting too far ahead of ourselves. But I got to tell you, I'm excited for the next series called Arsenal, Operating in the Gifts of the Spirit, that we would, that we would grow in the gifts of the Spirit that God has uh, given to the church. And so we're going to be talking about that in uh, two weeks. We'll kick off a new series. Um, but uh, we're also excited because that will lead into our faith conference on May the 22nd. I really wanted to have an opportunity to remind you again, May 22nd, put it on your calendar, go online, sign up now uh, or afterwards, remind you. If you're getting the emails from us, you'll get a reminder tomorrow night around 8 or 9 o'clock in the evening. That email is going to go out and it's going to remind you of what's coming up at Faith Assembly. If you're not getting our emails, fill out the Connect card and uh, make sure we have your email, be able to keep you up to date with what's happening but at our uh, seekers, or I'm sorry, at our faith conference, that the theme of that is seekers. Uh, we're going to be seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and uh, having workshops on growing in the gifts of the Spirit. What, is, what does it mean to prophesy? What's it mean? How do, you, how do we grow in these gifts? And, and believing that uh, as we spend that day together, that God is going to empower us and our lives being transformed. But when we get changed, how many know it's going to have an impact on the community around us, that we would see God do uh, the work because he is still doing work today. How many believe we serve a God who's alive, still working, still moving, still doing things of significance? Well, um, 2 Samuel chapter 13 is where we are today, and I want to share a message uh, in this this brief amount of time, and and I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version, and we're going to digest this some more on uh, a Wednesday night. Um, just the significance as we're looking in this breakout, that today I, I just feel this word that God wants to break out of some patterns that we've been stuck in so that we can walk in complete healing. I believe the word that God has for us today is complete healing. Um, and uh, I, want, I want us to, to catch that today and by God's grace receive that. We're looking in Daniel's life. If you think your family is on the Richter scale of crazy, you should meet King David's family. Uh, King David, um, called of God, anointed from a young age, killed Goliath, great and mighty. But David had some patterns that needed to be addressed in his life. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't look for the perfect people to use? He looks for willing vessels that even in their imperfections, his grace 
overcomes and prevails. David is called a man after God's own heart, even after his sin with Bathsheba. That sin with Bathsheba uh, led to this situation in his family, this family dysfunction. And uh, it just led to this, this place of, of struggle, but God's grace, God gives, gives hope and redemption. And uh, I want us to look today at the pattern and recognize there's some patterns maybe in our lives that God wants to break us out of so that we don't just walk in a partial healing, but we walk in complete healing. Uh, David, of course, had uh, 20 sons born to eight wives. So David had eight wives. That's not counting the concubines or the extra women that he had. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean God permitted it. Doesn't mean it was God's plan. Uh, David, of course, uh, having multiple wives um, and from there had uh, 20 sons that were to these wives. That means there were 20 that could be in line to be king. And uh, uh, his first son, Amnon, was his first son born to his, his uh, uh, one of his wives. But then we have Absalom, who was born as well. His, his mother uh, was, was taken as part of a, a captive from when David beat the Armenians when they fought and they, uh, they defeated the, the, this army. And so David takes the king of Gesher, uh, and from this area, David gets a wife. Absalom is born to her. So eight, eight different wives that come, these individuals. But uh, the dysfunction is this, that Amnon, who is the firstborn, is in love with Absalom's sister. Now, here's what you need to catch. Amnon's brother is Absalom. And so Amnon, the way the Bible describes it, according to Amnon, is that he's in love with Absalom's sister. Now, wait a minute. If Amnon is Absalom's brother, then how many know that means his sister, Tamar, is also his sister? Now, I told you I was messed up. But isn't it interesting that Amnon calls him Absalom's sister? Here's why. Because anytime we try to get our own way, we'll always try to spin it and package it just the right way to make it sound not as bad. And so, hey, Amnon, if Tamar is Absalom's sister and Absalom is your brother, that means she's your sister. So Amnon is in love with Tamar. He has a cousin who comes along and says, hey, I've got a plan for you since you're, he, he comes along and says, what's so wrong with you? And Amnon says, well, I'm in love with my sister. And well, he actually says Absalom's sister. And uh, this friend says, well, here's the plan. If you can, you can get her along, alone, pretend you're sick, and then all this goes, then have everybody leave the room, and then you'll have her there all by yourself. Amnon goes along with the plan. He gets Tamar alone, and while he's with Tamar, he forces himself on Tamar, takes advantage of her, and now we have the result of this tragedy that has occurred, this sin that has happened in David's house, in Dave, not just in his house, but in his kingdom where he is presiding. And so how do they respond to this? There's a pattern that needs to be broken in this moment. And I want us to see today just some things that recognizing that God wants us to walk in complete healing. How many believe God has complete healing for his people, that he wants us to walk in the complete healing that he has for us? 2 Samuel chapter 13, starting with verse 19. Why don't you stand with me as we look at this together? It'll be on the screen as well. But now Tamar tore her robes and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now. How many of staying quiet is not the answer to dealing with situations? 
but he learned it from somebody. Absalom says, well, keep quiet for now, my sister, because he's your brother. Don't you worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. Now, there's an asterisk there, a mark in my Bible, and maybe it's in yours as well, because the Septuagint adds to that, that David was angry, and because Amnon was his firstborn, he didn't do anything about it. And so David was angry, but did nothing about it. How many know we've got a pattern going on here? Don't say anything. I'm not going to say anything. Let's keep it quiet. And so David is angry, does nothing about it. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Absalom says, don't talk about it. David says, I'm angry, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And Amnon and Absalom never talk about it. And hatred just, just divides and gets in their heart. How many would recognize that's a pattern? And God doesn't want us to walk in the pattern of where we've been, but he walk, wants us to walk in the newness of where we've never been before. So God, I pray, break, break the patterns. God, I pray that what, it, what might be in us, help us to have a breakout. God, that we would walk in complete healing in Jesus' name. If that's your desire today, would you say amen? amen? You may be seated. I want you to find that person who you believe God wants to walk in total freedom and victory. Just announce the title of the message, and the title of the message is this. Just tell somebody beside you, here comes the pivot. Here comes the pivot. The, the pivot, that moment when things begin to shift and things begin to change. There's the pivot. The pivot that we're moving from is not just knowing a God who gives us healing, but we're not just people who are identified with needing healing, but the pivot is when we walk in complete healing and now we're transformed. Too often, we walk in the idea of healing and we're familiar with what we need from God, but I believe the shift and the pivot that God wants us to have is not that we're just familiar with our need, that our need for a healer, because oftentimes when you need healing, it's connected to you have pain and you want the pain to go away. Let's be honest. When you need healing, it's because you have pain. And oftentimes the pain is, is connected for us by saying, God, make the pain go away. And in my mind, in my understanding, make the pain go away means make it back to the way it used to be. God, what I'm feeling right now, make it stop and make it go back to where I used to be. How many recognize that sometimes when we want healing from God, we're nearsighted and blind because our perspective is, God, make everything better so it's back to where it was. But the God that we serve is not a God that heals us just to put us where we were. The God that we serve causes us to be completely healed to a place we've never been before. And sometimes our limited perspective is, God, heal me in view of my pain then what I tend to do in that moment is I'm more familiar with my pain than I am with my healer. I'm more familiar with the reason why I need God and not familiar enough with what my God has done and what he's made possible. Because when I walk in the power and the healing of God, there becomes a transition. There becomes a shift that happens in the moment that God allows us to pivot from where we were in, in a place of having the knowledge of heal, healing to now walking in the completion. My grandmother years ago gave me a savings bonds. In fact, I think there were three of them. I hate the fact that I said, I think there were three of them. 
They are somewhere in a folder that I hope to find one day, and that savings bond speaks to all the potential of what my grandmother made possible and what she gave to me. But how many know, having the promise of what a savings bond has, I have the potential. But until I cash it in, I'm never walking in the fulfillment and the promise of what my grandmother made possible for me. She got me something that I could have, and I'm holding on to a savings bond, and it's in a folder, and I don't even know where it is completely, but how many know I have the knowledge of what she gave me, but I'm not walking in the fulfillment of what she made possible for me. And some of us have a savings bond from, from the heavens. We, we have the, from the cross, it's given us a savings bond. We know, and unfortunately, sometimes we're carrying it around like one day, hopefully someday this will work. No, the God that you serve says you can cash it in and you can walk in the wholeness and the healing and the power of what he's made possible. That we can pivot not from just being a people who need healing and come to God in need of healing, but that we can walk with a confidence and walk as those who are healed. Not because everything's perfect, not because we don't have life's problems, not because there's not disappointment, but because we're more familiar with the God who heals than we are with the pain that hurts. If we're being honest with ourselves, we're too familiar with the pain that hurts and not familiar enough with the God who heals. Our minds revert right back to this hurts, the pain, and that's not wrong. But when you know the God who heals, there's a pivot and a shift. There's a pivot and a shift even for our church that is happening. This church has always been known. I heard this from the time when I came as a youth pastor, and we, we, we acknowledge it and we hold on to it. It was from the founding pastor of this church who said faith assembly is a hospital for the hurting, and I say yes and amen, but it's a new day and we're pivoting. We're not just a hospital for the hurting. We are a sending station for the healed. That is, the, you say, well, that's not a big deal. Yes, it is. It's a shift that needs to happen because when we come to a place that we're familiar, God is not just wanting to gather people to have them recognize they need a healer. God wants to bring people who encounter the power and presence of God. And now they're not just aware that they need a healer. Now they're aware of who the healer is and now their life is changed and transformed. And now they're sent. Notice when Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter nine, the Bible says that he sent him to the pool of Siloam. He sent them to the pool of Siloam. And if you've ever read John chapter nine, do you know right behind when it said the pool of Siloam, it said where it means sent. It actually made a point that that in the text to tell us that the word salome means sent. Why? Because when Jesus heals you, he doesn't heal you to receive. He heals you to send you. He heals you to move out. He heals you to become an agent through which his favor, his blessing, and his promises move in our life. God called you and I to go and to bring healing to the captive, to bring deliverance, to bring hope, to bring restoration. This is the purpose of the church and what God has called us to be. And this becomes the pivot. The pivot of no longer looking, uh, of walking in a place of temporary or, or partial healing, but walking in complete healing. 11 weeks ago on February the 16th, a Tuesday night during our week of refresh, we had Gerald Murphy with us. And that night, if you were here on Tuesday night, he had a friend Avery with him. And, and Avery gave a word that this week as I was praying, I knew that this pivot and I want you to hear this word today because it's not only in the practical of what God is doing in our church through, through building and expansion and what we're looking to move forward into, but it's also in the spiritual emphasis of what God is calling us to do. This shift that we're not just a hospital for the hurting. The, the, the broken will always be welcome, but they won't leave the same way they came. 
The broken will always be welcome. In fact, while I was praying this morning, I, 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 just, I, had to, I had to kneel and pray because as I was praying or as we were worshiping this morning, I just felt in my spirit the Lord said, I'm about to do something among the mental illness community in Fayette County, that there's about to be a shift and a breakthrough, that mental illness is going to become changing in Fayette County. It's, it's, it's something, and I, maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you have family, and I want you to know that's not a stigma. That's not anything of, of, of being able to, uh, to have uh, hang over you. It's simply something that Jesus did on the cross, and he's able. And so in my spirit this morning, as we were worshiping, I just felt God say that I just felt the, the Holy Spirit say that he's shifting and causing a change that autism and, and things that are of the mind that God is going to bring pre- peace and the things that are troubled there's a gentleman who is in our first service gave a testimony yesterday in the men's breakfast and he said that in the men's breakfast yesterday that he had an encounter with God in 2015 he dealt with depression and mental illness it was all throughout his family but in 2015 he met Jesus here in this church in a practical way he He's now off of his medicine. God has restored him. Depression isn't anything. He's not clinically depressed and of a mental illness. He's been made new by the power of God. This is the God that we serve who is able to do the impossible. And I want us to to recognize the God that we serve. And this is too often, we, we try to live with the healing. And the healing, if we just receive healing, then we just learn how to cope. But God doesn't want you to learn how to cope just receiving healing where you're connected to your pain. He wants you to be connected with the healer. And when you're in the healer, anyone who's in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. That there's this transformation that happens through the power of Jesus Christ. My testimony is this, that insecurity held me pretty much all my life, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't know what it was, but God got a hold of my life. I'm telling you, a hold of my life, even as I was a youth pastor, an evangelist, and a preacher, preaching the gospel. You know why? Because God uses people who aren't perfect, but who are willing to trust him to say, God, I need you in every hour, in every place, in every situation. God never gave up on David. He'll never give up on you. God doesn't give up on us in our moments of of weakness, whatever it is, but God wants a pattern to break in our lives. And I want you to see this pattern. So here's this word that was spoken, and then we're gonna just jump right into the text. But I want you to hear what was spoken over this house today because I, I believe this week as I was having a conversation with the Lord, and it was a literal conversation. It was not an audible voice, but man, I, I just had the conversation with the Holy Spirit that I knew God was in my space giving me a word, and the word was this, that the vision that God gave me seven years ago, that this house would be a place like the waters in Ezekiel's vision, that everywhere the waters went, dead things came to life, and that the Lord spoke to me seven years ago that faith assembly would become a sending place. Faith assembly would not be known as a place to gather people. It will be known as a place of sending people, that we would send more missionaries and more people out from here to our streets, and that was the word that God gave me. This word the Lord reminded me this week and said, this is the hour. I'm not being, I, I'm not trying to dramatize this or make it sound extra exciting and woo, see if we can build this up. I'm telling you, this is the hour that God has called. It's time for a breakthrough in Fayette County. What we've been praying for, it is right here and cresting and God is doing something significant. This is a pivotal moment. I want you to hear this word that was spoken over this house and I pray your heart will receive it because even as this plays, the worship team's gonna come and we're gonna get ready to close. Pastor Jason, I had a picture of you, and, and there was like this, uh, you know, the Ephesians 6 armor of God, but there was actually this, it was like this angel had come, and he was putting these big elbow pads on you, and, and um, 
this is what I saw. And so he put these, these pads on your elbows, and, and then it was like in basketball. You know basketball, you have a pivot foot, right? You can pivot. And I felt like the Lord was strengthening you. Uh, he, hold on, I have it written down here. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. He said, elbow room, son, elbow room. There's, there's just, there's more dimensions in which in this season, in this year, God's going to be asking you to trust him. And when he says pivot, you pivot. Uh, you're carrying something special. I feel like you're carrying the heart of God. Like the basketball in your hands is the culture and the heart of God. It's, it's the emphasis on presence. It's the emphasis on intimacy. It's the emphasis on regional and city transformation. You're carrying that like a basketball. And when he says pivot, I need you to pivot, son. Because you're creating elbow room. You're creating space for other people. And so he's giving you grace and strength and courage and the things that you need to create the elbow room. You just have to pivot when he says pivot. He says, every time I ask you to pivot, it's because we are making more space. We are freeing up the atmosphere. And then I saw people who, who in their state, in their condition, uh, even believers, you know, I saw them like, uh, like with this outer uh, layer of stone on them, like they were statues, like they were stuck, like they were frozen. They couldn't move forward um, in, in the things that they're truly passionate about things that they're, they're called to. They weren't fully alive. John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've, I've come that you may have life to the fullest. I feel like you're going to be freeing people up. So this morning, I've got my elbow pads on. Literally, uh, uh, someone, a part of the, the services here, and, and on the same day, uh, a week or so after the week of refresh, maybe about two weeks later, on the same day, uh, someone brings me a basketball that says pivot. And someone else, un- unconnected, not even connected, brought me elbow pads. And so in my office, I've got the basketball that says pivot, and I've got a pair of elbow pads. That God has called us in this season to pivot. And I, I want to pivot today, and these elbows might come in touch with you today. And it's not to condemn and put you down, but it's to declare, hey, that shell, you don't need to live a shell of a life. You don't need to live a shell of a faith and a hope and, and a shell of healing but God wants you to walk in total healing, to walk in complete healing, the fullness that he has. So I'm going to give you these real quick. And on a Wednesday night, I'm promising you, because this is so strong in my spirit, we're going to take a Wednesday night and we're going to unpack this. I, I know uh, it won't be this Wednesday. Lenana's going to be speaking this Wednesday, so she might just run with it and unpack it. I don't know what Holy Spirit will, will do. And so don't miss that on Wednesday night. Uh, but uh, uh, we're going to unpack this some more, because I believe that this is a pivotal moment. This is a a moment for our, for our church. God wants you to walk in complete healing. So let me give you these real quick. Number one, if we're going to walk in complete healing. I want to encourage you to break out of excuses. We're going to have to break out of excuse. When you find excuse, it justifies where you are. And every time you excuse, it's your way of staying in control. And guess what that shell is? That shell is on the inside, I want God to have control. But on the outside, I'm calling the shots. There, there's this this excuse that needs to be laid down. Hey, David, why didn't you deal with Amnon? Because it tells us he was the firstborn, and David's like, well, I can't because he's the firstborn. That's a poor excuse. It's a poor excuse to not deal with what needs to be dealt with. Don't excuse. Don't excuse it. Don't excuse certain attitudes and behavior. 
of yourself, but even of the people we love. If we're going to be a growing church, and when I say growing church, I don't mean more people. I mean deepening relationships. Then you better have people in your life. Sorry for wagging the finger. You better have people in your life who are able to tell you honest things about what need to change in you. People in your life who can be honest with you. My, my, my uh, friend of honesty, in fact, I think you know him, Mike Holt. He's my, uh, my, my best friend in, in uh, ministry and in, in uh, life. And that guy, he has the right to point at me and say, hey, Jason, you need to change the way you're thinking right now. I need people in my life that can't make excuses. David was making an excuse. Here's number two. You, you got to break out of the blame. You got to break out of the blame. The blame, of course, is, is the stuff that, that, that we, we look and put on someone else. And when you have blame, it's like living in a rearview mirror. It's like living life backwards. You're, you're blaming. And, and here's, here's Absalom blamed Amnon, and David blamed, blamed himself. And so anytime there's blame, nothing, nothing gets done. God is not looking to give blame because blame looks for vengeance. But God is not looking for vengeance. He wants to bring deliverance. That he wants redemption. He wants to bring us out of where we've been. And so don't blame others and don't blame yourself. Recognize what needs to be addressed and look unto God. Allow, address it. Here's the third thing. Break out of emotional inability. This emotional inability is to not deal with it. David was angry, but he did nothing. He, he didn't even, do, he, he felt the emotion, but he didn't respond properly. And how many know when you have anger, but you don't respond properly, you make things worse than better. David felt the pain of it, but he didn't deal with it. And sometimes I wonder if, if David didn't deal with it because when David would have to deal with Amnon, he was reminded of his own failure. I wonder if David couldn't deal with Amnon because he remembered what he did with Bathsheba when he killed Bathsheba's husband. He had an affair, and then to cover it up, he kills her husband. I mean, I wonder if David couldn't deal with it because it reminded him of his own failure. What I want you to hear today is the pivot happens when you have healing. Healing reminds you of your pain, but when you have the healer, it reminds you of your redemption and of your hope. And so instead of being reminded of my failure, I need to be reminded of my redeemer, of my deliverer. And David had this moment, I'm sure. He's saying, if I would try to deal with that, who, do I, who am I to deal with that? You know who you are? You're not perfect, but you're a child of God. And so deal with it. Don't brush it under the rug. Don't, don't pretend it didn't exist. Let's be honest. Break the pattern. And so that emotional inability, we, we've got to learn how to deal with it. Here's the other thing. Break out of a hardened heart. This is probably the most dangerous one. Amnon, or Absalom, didn't even talk to Amnon. They had nothing. But the Bible says that Absalom grew in hatred over Amnon. Do you realize that when you don't talk about what needs to be talked about, you just make up your own narrative and the narrative justifies your reason for hating that person? And now you've removed yourself. You've allowed bitterness. And what you're trying to do is protect yourself. You harden your heart to protect yourself and you're not protecting yourself. You're keeping away the healing that God wants you to walk in. And when we harden our heart, and the most dangerous thing of hardening our heart is that it makes us numb. Have you ever been in places where you feel like, God, this is too much to deal with, 
And so rather than dealing with it, I'd rather just ignore it. Let me just be honest with you. There have been moments in my life that not in any spirit of death or wanting to die, but I've said to God, God, could you just come back right now and take us to heaven because I don't feel like dealing with this. Anybody ever been there? There's a moment where you're like, God, I'm just tired of this. I'm done with it. I don't want to deal with it. But the danger is when we begin to numb ourselves and detach from it, and now we're no longer feeling the emotions we need to feel. We're not, we're not responding in the right way. We become detached. David was angry, but he didn't do anything about it. And so being careful, even as Absalom hardened his heart, don't let your heart get hardened. And here's the last one. We gotta break out of a broken identity. Knowing who you are in Christ, that God wants you to break out of the pattern. Can I tell you, there's a pattern that my insecurities tell me. My insecurities flare up whenever I believe God is calling me to do something. When I step out to do it, it doesn't happen the way I thought it should. Well, why is that? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers of warfare. It's spiritual warfare, darkness. And what do I do? My insecurity says, see, you're not good enough. See, you don't have what it takes. See, that's not you. See, you're not that. And so then my mind wants to start reverting to the pattern of my insecurities that begin to tell me things that I know don't line up with the scripture. Can I tell you, I have been delivered by the power of God because it doesn't mean those thoughts don't come, but now my identity is not in, oh, woe is me, I need healing. My identity is, woe is my God. He has brought me deliverance. He has changed me. My God is for me. And that might have been a no right now, but my God will make it happen because it's not me, but it's him. I belong to the one who has given me a new identity and I'm made, made whole in Christ. I wonder if Absalom had a broken identity because remember his mom was, her name was Makah. Just believe me. I don't know if I'm saying it right or not, but who cares, right? I mean, is it upside down, sideways? I don't know, but it does matter. <laughs> Makah is the, is the wife of David and the mother of Absalom and Tamar. So Absalom and Tamar, brothers and sister, are born to Makah. Now, Amnon has a different mom. But I wonder if Absalom always had this broken identity because Makah was David's wife because David defeated her dad. Because David defeated the king of Geshur, he got as part of his spoils the king's daughter. So now the king's daughter comes in, and this is Makah. David marries her, but he does it under the the law of Deuteronomy that says her head needs shaved. How many know when you shave a woman's head? In the scriptures, that's showing a lack of dignity. So her head gets shaved, her nails get cut, and she has to be kept away from her parents forever. There's a detachment and a brokenness. I wonder if Absalom, knowing, listen, if your dad is married to eight women, you realize you're fighting for attention right there. I mean, the dude has a broken identity. His mom was brought in from war. She's not even a Jewish mother like the other ones. There's this feeling of less than. Have you ever... I don't have to ask you because I know many of us in this room feel like at times not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I wonder if Absalom steps in to do something for Tamar because he feels like my mom has been taking advantage of everything around. And so Absalom takes it into his own hands to try and do something about it. Can I encourage you today? You can't fix it with your own hands. 
But I wonder if his broken identity tried to make him to do something about it. And that pattern kicks in. Because here's the pattern he knows. Makah is the daughter of a defeated king. Tamar is the daughter of a king who doesn't do anything. And I want to say this to you today. Makah may have been the daughter of a king who was defeated and Tamar may have been a daughter of a king who did nothing, but you are the daughter of the king who gave himself on the cross and purchased you and redeemed you and brought you back. You belong to him. You are in Christ everything. His identity is on you. He's created you in his image. I know this is for sons as well, but I want want the daughters of the room to hear today. You don't belong to anyone. You belong to Jesus. Jesus Christ, you are his, that you're made in his image. He loves you. And whatever has fallen short in your life, whatever's been taken from you, whatever's been done against you, your God is not a king who is defeated and he's not a king who won't do anything. He is a king who gave his life that you might be bought back. Listen, if Makah was beaten and Makah was given because he was, was won in war, Jesus said, I'll go and I'll pay the price to buy back what was taken because your God that you serve loves you with an everlasting love and he wants you to walk in total healing. And total healing starts with a new mind. Romans 12, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh God, break off the patterns of the old. Let us not just be identified with our need for healing. Let us identify with our healer so that we can not just receive from God, but we can be sent to carry the hope and the redemption. Does that make sense to anybody today? We are not just a hospital for the hurting. Oh, the hurting will always be welcome, but may they never leave the same. May this be a place for the brokenness. May it also be a place where those who are made whole move in the purpose that God has called. Would you stand in this place today? I pray in Jesus' name, renewed. Hey, daughter, this is for sons. I'm one of them. But man, my heart this week broke for daughters. I've got two of them. And nobody better touch my daughters. There's this, this promise of, hey, I want to provide and give, but guess what? This earthly dad has limitations, but I gave them over to a God who has no limitation. Because in my best, let's be honest, they're being raised by a man who is recovering from his insecurities. God help them. I mean, I'm doing the best I can, and I think by God's grace, my kids are doing all right. But they've been raised by a broken man who needs Jesus. But thanks be to God, they're loved by a God who knows how to meet them at every point and every need. So I don't know if there's a pattern today that might be broken in your midst and in your life, but your God is a God who redeems and, and you've got that savings bond. Hey, it's time to cash it in because he paid the price for your complete healing. He didn't pay for your partial healing. He didn't pay for your partial identity. He didn't pay for you to have a momentary breakthrough. He paid for your complete 
healing, salvation, healing, and deliverance. How many believe what he did on the cross was once and for all more than enough, everything we need. And so by the power of Jesus' name, walk in the healing that he has for you. He still says, go and sin no more. Go in the completion, the wholeness of my spirit.